So good morning, um, good afternoon, whenever you're listening to us. Welcome to Southside State of Mind. Um, today we're going to be talking with our uh, peer support group, and they're across all three counties, and we do have uh, one that's going to be joining us late, um, Tiffany Daly, but I'm going to let our three support peer, um, peer support people um, introduce themselves this morning, and I think I'll start with uh, by seniority, if you wouldn't mind, James, um, introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about yourself. Good morning. Uh, I'm James Bracy, Peer Specialist in the Brunswick County area. I've been <clears throat> with Southside since 2013, end of 13, early 14. Uh, I'm, I have lived experiences. I am a substance. Uh, I'm a recovering addict, uh, and I have dealt with depression and mental health issues. So uh, that's a brief synopsis of who I am, what I am. Thank you, James. And uh, next in line, Ms. Uh, uh, Lottie. Hey, everybody. I am Yvonne Oliver. Everybody in recovery calls me Lottie. And... It is an honor to be here and to be able to do what I do. I have been in successful recovery since September the 24th, 1984. I have been uh, with the agency here since 2015. I work in uh, Boynton and I do also help out in the other three counties. My PTSD is one of the things I suffer from, anxiety also with mood altering chemicals and alcohol is my drug of choice. And basically anything that really makes me feel good quick, be it spending money or people, I love it. <laughs> um, it's an honor to be here again and thank you. Thanks Lottie and Charlotte. Yes, good morning. My name is Charlotte Hightower. I am peer recovery specialist here in um, Halifax in the South Boston office. Um, I've been with the agency for since May of 2020. So I'm a, a post-COVID uh, <laughs> kind of person. So I know everything is new uh, for me and a lot of things are new for the agency as well as post-COVID. Um, I've been in recovery and long-term recovery since uh, September 6, uh, 1995. So I just celebrated my 27th year in recovery. Thank you. Um, yeah, and so I'm enjoying my position here at the agency, and um, I look forward to bigger and better things. Thank you. Thank you so much. So um, peer support um, services, I'm not going to say they're new to our agency, because obviously James has been here since 2013, 2014. Um, but they're kind of a new thing in the community, uh, trying to educate people about what peer support services are. Um, and I know that peers play a really vital role in the recovery of the people that come to our agency for services, mainly because you guys share um, intimate knowledge of what it's like to actually go through the recovery process and get treatment. And you can share your stories with people um, who come into the agency. Yet, yeah, can you talk to us a little bit about what it means? And any of you can answer this question. Um, about what it means to be a peer. Okay, I'll 
Okay, Lottie, go for it. Uh, I, I am Lottie and I am peer. And uh, what it means to be a peer is that I have lived experience that when I am presented with a issue, I know instinctively what I did and what I can, how I can assist you or guide you to what you are looking for. Um, I've, I've been in that place and it means that I can maybe give you some hope. You know, that's the whole thing. I want you to know you're not alone. And I've been there and come on, I know the way out. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Any of you guys have different perspectives on what it means to be a peer? Well, for me, um, being a peer means to be relational. It means to meet people where they are. Um, it means to engage, um, to help people to identify their own strengths so that they may better um, have a better quality of, of life by their own uh, guidance, um, if you will. And um, to be available, to just remain available for um, the assistance that's, that's needed. James, anything that you want to add? Well, I concur with exactly what they said. <clears throat> uh, what I find is, uh, is hope. Uh, other people's experiences as well and growing in this process, uh, being able to link and have someone that could, uh, or that I can or who can help me with uh, moving forward and not being afraid uh, mm. and that sort of thing. So <clears throat> uh, just to know that there's someone else who's followed that path uh, and can guide me as a beacon of light on the other end. So that's what being a peer. So you mentioned something that I think is really interesting and probably um, one of the things that if I was going through a process of fear, um, you know, fear of failure, fear of not knowing what's coming around the bend, fear of judgment from other people, you know, just those big, those big worries that um, somebody coming into treatment might have. And how do you guys... When I, when I say that word fear, what, what comes to mind when you're, when you're dealing with folks that um, you're trying to help them through that fear? What do you, how do you help them? Well, I, help, I try to help identify with the fears. We like to face everything and recover. Uh, so we, so I, 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 I ensure them, I try to assure them, help engage them that, that we've been here, it's okay. Uh, one of the things that I like, and, and Will Smith talked about it once before, was uh, jumping out of an airplane. It's just that second in the minute, right before you do it, that is the unknown. And once you can get and be assured of the unknown, because once I, once I take the leap, then I have the faith. Uh, but before that, it's all of the things that appear to, that only I... Uh, can feel that scares me, uh, and what and what I try to share with them is that we understand that, uh, but let's push forward to see what the other side has for us. So that's how I, I try to assist folks to get through the fear and myself. It's like, what's on the other side? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I believe I can get a do over as well. That's yeah. right. Any anything else, you guys, about fear? Yeah. 
Yeah, fear, you know, fear, um, like like James said, face everything and recover, you know, we give people hope and we let them know that, you know, we're right here with you, you know, um, if you have if whatever you're afraid of, just, you know, we can talk about it. We can, you know, uh, we try not to project, you know, we try to get out of projecting things. So we just stay in the moment, right? We live for the moment. We deal with what comes up um, at, the, at the time and let the next um, frame of time take care of itself. We'll deal with that when we get there. Yes, I would like to add, I mean, those were great things and that is what we do. And we also, you fear will consume us. You know, we started using, I started using excessively because of that. Um, so I have to look at inside of me as my peers will. And when they do that, I listen to learn, you know, not to answer, but just to learn them and to help them learn themselves. And that is such a valuable tool to be able to be heard to hear someone that helped so much just to know that allowed me to process what I needed to do to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important um, when someone says they're scared or they're, you know, they're, they don't, they're unsure. I think the words that I, as a therapist, what I hear a lot is I'm unsure. I don't, I don't know what's coming. And so I'm afraid to step over that threshold. Right. So Mm -hmm. um, one of the things as a therapist is just saying, okay, well, let's talk about what that means to feel unsure, to be afraid, you know, let's, instead of pushing it away, right, you say, okay, let's sit with that feeling for just a few minutes, right, let's be, let's be afraid, go ahead and be afraid, it's, it's okay to be afraid, um, I'm, I'm, and I think what, you know, what I envision you guys doing is being there while that person's afraid, not leaving them alone and saying, okay, let's be afraid together, but let's move forward anyways. Right. Cause that's the vision for, of courage for me. Right. I think it's one of the things as well is that we can share out what, what, what was our fear? What, what were we afraid of? That's that personal thing as a peer and in this thing in this one is that we can talk about that particular fear like when uh i was removing myself from substance use and it was the fear of what's next and uh and what, what am i going to do and where's my life going from here i can share that intimate stuff at that moment from my personal story that helped get me over over the hump right and move forward so and, and folks tend to gravitate to that. And they be like, oh, really? You, you too? You know, it's the you too? And you say, yeah, me too. Right? Uh, and I'm able to utilize that growing and, and moving forward and, and, and hoping to ease down some of the tension or anxiety that comes with it, uh, with, the, with, with, with that situation or those situations. And, and just asking them to build off of their strengths because someone did it for me. And I share with them how it was done for me and how we continue to move forward. Right, so you're, you're getting into my next, my next thing about sharing your story. Um, I hear a lot, you know, when, when I'm talking with peers over the last few years and, and they talk about sharing their story and the importance of 
sharing their story with groups, sharing their story with individuals. I've, I've been there to see like when uh, you guys come for our, our crisis intervention team training and the, the feedback I get is that when one of you guys shares your story, it's one of the most meaningful things for our CIT training. Um, tell me a little bit about the importance of not just for the audience, but for you to share your story. So I'll go first. So the importance for me to share my story is to um, remember that it can't hurt me anymore. My story doesn't hurt me anymore. And by me telling it, um, someone else may be able to identify or relate to something that I've gone through. And um, it's just, it frees me. It gives me freedom and it gives me a lot of, um, makes me feel really good when someone else comes up and says, thank you for sharing that because I got a lot out of it. Um, I feel like I've helped help mankind in some way. So my story is, is, is a lot of who I am as a peer recovery specialist. So when someone, when I can use it for people to identify and relate to it, then, um, you know, I feel like it's all worthwhile. Lottie? For me, it, it, it lets you know that we do recover. We do. We're not out there just trying to give you guys a hard time. We're having a hard time, and we don't know what to do. We show that there's a path there, and again, I try to offer hope to them, and it keeps it fresh, and I don't want to go back. I do not want to go back. And it lets, um, it lets the, the CIT that we share with, it, we become very vulnerable. We walk into a room of people that we used to fight. And, you know, at least for me, most of us, we just didn't, we, we just had, had grudges and we just didn't know how to deal. Again, sharing my story, going there and being vulnerable, it lets them know, hey, be a little more gentle with us. You know, right. we don't intend to be that way. It's just that hope. And I will preach hope all day long that somewhere, somehow they will hear it and they will say, hey, let me try this because it worked when Lottie was going through it. Right. Now we've just been joined by Tiffany Daly. Tiffany, we're in the middle of answering questions or talking about things and we just started talking about sharing your story. And I know your story is different than, um, than James and Charlotte and Lottie's. Um, and so we'll, we'll get to you, but you know, it's, it's your peer and you're a different kind of peer. Um, Tiffany works for emergency services and she helps guide families through um, how to deal with getting into treatment and what it's like to be in treatment and in a different kind of situation than kind of Charlotte and James do. And I'll, I'll, I want you to talk about that in just a minute. Um, so uh, James, what's, what is uh, the importance for you? I remember you sharing your story the very first time um, you and I were at a peer conference and you got up in front of the room and, and talked about yourself very eloquently. And I was very impressed with it. And that was probably what? Back in 2015, 2014, mm -hmm. so you were fresh. 
you were fresh as a peer. I was fresh as a an employee at Southside. So it's been a it's been a long eight years, right? Since I've heard that story. So tell me, tell me about you know your um, what that means for you to share your story. What it means for me, uh, it, it allows me to uh, still be encouraged, motivated, enthusiastic, uh, and uh, it allows me the opportunity to, uh, what do I say, uh, amends, amends process to those who are harmed through my addiction, uh, through my addiction process and then moving into my recovery. Uh, sharing with others is that someone probably could gather some hope. And, and like we said, we share experience, strength, and hope. So I'd like to share my experience of how it was uh, and what it was like. Uh, my strength is that I've been able to stand up. No matter how many times you fall down, getting up is the next move, right? And getting up and being able to move is the next move. It's to make the next step forward, right? Uh, make a decision to do something different, right? Uh, other than what I was doing. Uh, and the hope is, is that if I'm able to do it, you are as well, right? Uh, with the challenges that I, that, I, that, I, that, I, that I suffered, that I struggled with and I suffered with, but now that I live with and that I, and then that I use to encourage me and be the fuel for me to move forward, right? Uh, I've been around here for a few cups of coffee, as they right, say. Right, right. So, yeah. so let me just throw this at you guys for a second. So my thought is that you're always in recovery. You don't just reach a point where you're you're recovered. Absolutely. <laughs> and then you move forward, right? Absolutely. You, I mean, you're always in recovery. Um, I am, yes. You know, and most, at least this is how people explain it to me. And I think we're all in recovery from something, right? Every single one of us that walk the planet are in recovery from something. Um, I, I, I attended a, um, a training a number of years ago, and it was with a, a Cherokee medicine man. And he said, um, all of us are born into the world perfect, right? We come into this world perfect. And then somewhere along the line, somewhere we are wounded. We, we, and we carry this wound with us the rest of our lives. And our job the rest of our lives is to heal this wound. And so we're all in recovery from something, right? Whether it's trauma, whether it's, you know, <clears throat> the best intentions and in parenting that went wrong, whether it's, you know, the loss of someone in our lives, it's something, right? So can you speak to um, our folks about recovery, you know, and what that might be like? Yeah, uh, for me, you know, thank you. That's a very good question because for me, recovery, we do recover, right? We recover at different rates and at different paces. So I can recover from something, but still there might be another area of my life that I have to recover from. So recovery is ongoing. So I, 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 I work my program and I, I'm able to look at stuff, stuff come up that I have to deal with. So 
uh, fear. You know, in the beginning, I have to deal with a lot of fear. So I have to learn to uh, become comfortable with who I am and to get over that fear. And once I, um, I have uh, pretty much conquered fear, not that things don't still scare me, but pretty much I know how to deal with fear. Now I, ha I might have to deal with some anger issues that I might have, you know, so we do recover and it's not overnight, it's, you know, over time. So as, as we continue to work our program and look at ourselves, we keep the focus on ourselves, see where we need to change um, and what, you know, what parts of us we need to work on. We continue to work on us, right? We continue to work on us and, um, so we do recover, but we always recovering because we always have something to work on. So we're always recovering. Tiffany, what are your thoughts? What thoughts do you have when we talk about that? I agree with Charlotte um, 100% that everybody recover at their own pace, their own time. Um, it do take it's different situations for each individual. Um, and I think that having support and being encouraged and going through the process, not being alone, um, can help a lot with the recovery phase. Can you talk to us a little bit about the kind of peer work that you do <clears throat> that might be different from the rest of our peers here today? Yes, ma'am. Um, I'm on a crisis response team here at Southside Baby Health. And what I do is support and encourage the individuals who's going through crisis and the families um, for a short period of time. So our time is 21 days um, at the most. Sometimes we do go over um, the 21-day period due to the fact that depending on how quick we can get them into services such as therapy and staying, um, get on the right medication regimen. And I provide support and encourage with the families to help them navigate um, through the crisis that they are in. Um, I support the individual as well as the household um, mm -hmm. that's it is effective because believe it if an individual is, in, is a, having a crisis the household nine times out of ten is having a crisis the whole household is having a crisis as well so um i provide resources to make sure they get linked to the resources that is needed for them um ensure that they're on the right medication regimen make sure I communicate with the therapists, the case managers, um, so we all can be on the same page to make sure that they receive the proper treatment that is needed for them. So do, do you walk the family through, you know, let them know what this is, this is, this is what this is going to be like um, as they engage in the in crisis recovery? Yes, ma'am. I walk the family through. Um, I develop a plan them and we talked about you know we work on small goals um and the therapist and the case managers part of the team that we have on a crisis team so we all communicate and to ensure that they do reach their goals and it's very intensive because it's only 21 days so you know we kind of like once we get in there we we at work with them constantly constantly even though we don't visit them every day i do communicate with them um if it's via phone, I communicate with them in the office or even visit them at home, um, you know, throughout the 21 days. So it's very intensive therapy sessions that the crisis response team held. Okay, awesome, awesome. 
<clears throat> so is there anything else, Lottie, about recovery? Anybody? Um, yes, you know, I, I agree. We're always in recovery. You know, um, I get up in the morning, I turn my day over and I remind myself that I have a built-in forgetter and that I cannot safely do drugs or dry goods or any of those other things. Because if a crisis comes up, what is a crisis to me, I can very easily reach for that drink or drug to make me better and make me forget. So I have that built-in forgetter that it doesn't go away, but I've learned to know and recognize it. Um, I don't ever think that I personally recovered to a state that I can safely take a drink and be a normal person. You know, you have a cucumber and once you make it a pickle, it can never go back to a cucumber. It's, and that's me. You know, <laughs> That's what I am. And I have to always stay vigilant with that uh, and be aware of people, places and things. And, and that's part of recovering. You know, it's given it away, which is a huge part. And I'm honored that my job allows that. I have to. I have to tell whoever asked how I did it. And right. how they may be able to do it, too. That's part of recovery. Well, I'm going to call you Pickle from now on. That's you good. may. <laughs> <laughs> Put sweet pickle in front of it. We good. <laughs> That's really cute. So, so um, I think a peer peer support peer specialist. I think it's a, a really um, different kind of. Well, I'm not going to say that people in mental health aren't aren't called to the work because I think you are called to the work um, because we certainly don't get into mental health for the money. Um, we cer certainly don't get into mental health work because the hours are good because we know that it's a 24 by 7, 365 job. Um, even if you're not working, you're work thinking about, I don't know about you guys, thinking about working. Um, so what called you guys to be a peer? What in the world made you think this would be a wonderful thing to do with your life and your time? Great, great question again. Great question again. What called, what called me? Uh, I, I was a carpenter by trade before I got into recovery. Once I got in, someone said, someone said that you have to change everything. And I was like, everything? They said everything. And so as I was sitting in the treatment center, which was in a homeless shelter, uh, I, I started going through the rankings in a therapeutic community kind of situation at that particular time. And there were different levels of it. And I recognized how comfortable it was for me to communicate with the new guys how to go to do outreach work. Uh, and I did outreach work in, in Hunts Point in New York City at Bellevue Hospital at the Port Authority situation. So you you talking early recovery, early, well, we talking 60 days or better that I started going out doing that. And, and I enjoyed sitting down talking to people from a place that I had just come from, which was homelessness and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, so, so I found a sort of a niche in there and there was something spiritual that was taking place. The, the level of growth that was happening for me uh, and that I, I really hadn't recognized, but others could see it, that I had a, 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 a niche to, to talking with people 
feeling the empathy, uh, the concern, uh, sharing the hope. Uh, and I came back and I started working in a treatment center for men, right? Uh, and just based on my lived experiences, again, uh, being a, a single dad, uh, raising my son at that particular time, taking care of my father who was ill uh, and who passed as I was in the process. Uh, uh, and, and, and it came up, recovery coach came up. This is the old word of recovery coach. We were recovery coaches at that point in time. Uh, and, and I did that through a group called Sarah and that sort of stuff. And then they changed, then they, then some things came into the field when they became peer specialists. Uh, and we started doing that. And I just enjoyed, uh, listen, I enjoyed putting on, uh, work clothes, I would say, instead of the construction clothes. So there was a difference, right? Because uh, I thought I was somewhat cute too, right? Uh, <laughs> right? Um, and handsome, and, and, and so I was debonair, right? And it allowed me to, to strut my stuff to some degree. Uh, but then there were some men who said, man, thank you for helping me. There were families who were coming in on visitation at their treatment center saying, thank you for what you're doing for our child. Right, because I remember when my mom struggled with me, my family members struggled with me. So it was something inside of that that continued to be a spiritual growth. Uh, and then I was afforded the opportunity to move towards, to move down this way and start working for Southside. And so I just wanted to bring that joy, something about a gift. I don't believe it's a job that I have, but I do believe there's an assignment that was given to me on a spiritual level. Right, that told me, say, this is this is a calling for you. Uh, and I'm always eager to be able to do it and to share with others. Right. Uh, the ups, the downs, the, the sideways, uh, the, the movements, you know, and to be able to see that spark of light come into someone else's eyes to say, just for that, even if it's just for that moment. Uh, and working with the with the clientele that we work with, because that was me at one point. So uh, that's that's what has been inspirational for me to be in the position that I'm in. And I got a job because I was a junkie. I mean, because I'm in recovery, right? <laughs> y'all gave me, y'all allowed me to work for real, which was exciting. And so uh, I enjoyed, I take it on as an assignment for me. Excellent. Anybody else? I uh, Coming up, there was a lot of stigma on people with mental health more than today. And you always heard the words, stay away from them, they're crazy, or they're talk to themselves, or this or that. And I was intrigued. What made them do that? What, <clears throat> why were they different? And I was pulled to people that were different. Um, and as my illnesses progressed, um, you know, I stopped looking so much. And then one of my sisters became very ill with mental illness. And taking care of her and walking with her on her journey gave me the fire to want to know more. Uh, so through my recovery, not only did I have myself, but I had other family members that I needed to look after. And as my journey went along, I had um, my children became needy of mental health issues. So I was being pulled in many directions. And I remember before I became a peer support specialist, I heard again, as was said, the recovery coach, why don't you do that? You'd be so good at that. And the seed was planted 
and I kind of put it aside and finished my other, my other jobs I was doing. And it, I, I, I became jobless and was looking and um, I stumbled upon you guys. And it was like, oh my God, that seed was planted years ago. This is where I belong. That's how I got here. <laughs> We're grateful for that. Charlotte, Tiffany, any, any of you? Being a resource parent for, you know, the state of Virginia, I'm a foster care mom. Um, actually, we've been in the system for um, nine years. Yep, nine years. And um, getting a lot of kids in and out of my home that has been sexual abuse and um, drug addiction and um, neglected by their families kind of like put me in a position where I said I'm gonna help like I want to help these people to understand that this is real life like like um Lottie said that it's stigma um out there about mental health and mental illness where people try to keep it quiet you know and me observing those behaviors in and out my home when I was a resource parent um accepting kids before I adopted three kids um, was very, hmm, started out being iffy. But then I was like, I can help these families. Like, I can get out here and share with them that there are there is hope for them, that it is resources out here that you, for you, when you're dealing with your children that's going through issues, reach out, communicate, and it's okay to do that. It's not. It's never a bad idea to communicate or reach out to resources that is provided for us. You have to know the resources um, in order for you to get help. And I just felt like I just wanted to help kids, um, families, because a lot of families don't know. You know, they keep the child hidden in the home because they're autistic or because they're schizophrenia or bipolar because they don't want to deal with the outside world. But it's their normal. You know, so I thought that helping families and uh, being able to reach out to kids as much as possible to let them know that you're not alone and it is hope. That's awesome. Charlotte? Yeah, as for me, um, how did I, what drove me to become a peer recovery specialist? Um, I, I know back in 2009, 2007, somewhere in there, um, I was, I worked at a group home for, I worked at a halfway house, women coming out of jail or homeless or, you know, coming, trying to get clean from substances. Um, I worked at the, at the halfway house and my sponsor worked there too. And she was the one who, who helped me to get there. But she asked me, she said, one of the one of the ladies that were at the house was actually taking peer recovery training online, right? Back then it was free. Wow. It was like you could go on and online and just take the training and become a peer recovery specialist. Or I think it was peer support specialist. And um, so she was like, that's something you can do because I had been, I had a couple of associate degrees, um, you know, trying to, because I was always a worker in the factory, right? I was always a person like, I, I got to do something. I got to work. I got to make ends meet. 
And, um, you know, my family background was always education, get your education, get your education. So I always thought that, you know, I needed to get my education, but with the lifestyle that I was coming out of, it was very difficult. I had children to raise, so I had to work wherever I could. So, but when my sponsor said that, I was like, ah, you know, you don't get a job. You got to go to school. You, you don't get a job because of the way, you know, you mess your life up, you know? And so I was like, I'm not going to do it. So for me, I think it really was divine intervention because years later, um, after working in that group home, working in another a mental health group home, um, and still being in the factory, right? Um, um, I finally decided to go back to school again. And um, at that time, I was offered the opportunity to take the training uh, for free because I noticed that peer recovery specialist training was beginning to uh, cost money. And I'm like, what? It used to be free. It's, you know, and it was, it was evolving. The, the field was evolving. And um, <laughs> so I took the training when I could. And I was in North Carolina at the time. And um, the training was different. But I was like, okay, I'll take the training. But I don't know if I want to work with people like me. Right. I, I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, I had worked in the, in the halfway house in the group homes and I was like, I, I don't know if I want to, you know, if I have the patience and tolerance to do that. Are, you're, are you saying you're a tough bunch? A little bit, <laughs> a little bit. Um, I can be, but I'm growing in my recovery every day. Um, so what I finally did, I took the training in North Carolina and then um, about a year and a half later, I, I, I uh, ran across this position and I was like, you know what, this thing just keeps coming back up. And I was like, I was, at the time I was trying to figure out what am I supposed to be doing with my life? What, am, what is calling me? And I was like, peer recovery is who I am, right? I am that. Um, the people need the people who are coming to see me and who comes in the agency and who comes to peer support they need people who's already been there and i just felt like it was divine calling and here i am and i just try to learn all i can to be the best peer recovery specialist that i can be um for not only this agency but also for the whole peer recovery community um so that's how I got here. And like James say, it got me out of the factory. <laughs> you know, not really. I was out of the factory before I came here, but um, it was, it gave me an opportunity to work in the professional world, which I had been going to school to do anyway. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here and to do what I do here. Wonderful. That's wonderful. So you guys all took a little bit of a circuitous route, right, to, to get to where you are. And you've brought up the certification, Charlotte. So <clears throat> who would like to tell us a little bit about the certification process? You can't just be a peer anymore, right, in the state of Virginia. Right. right. Um, you, you have Can I to volunteer, Charlotte? Huh? Can I volunteer, Charlotte? You can volunteer anybody. That doesn't mean they have to go, though. Voluntary. <laughs> um, you know, tell us a little bit about what it means to be a certified peer. 
So for me, when I came to Virginia, so in North Carolina, I only had to have a 40 hour um, certification class and I, and I didn't have to take any, uh, I didn't need a, a 500 hour um, internship. I didn't need to take a, a proctored exam or any of that. So all I had to do was apply with the um, department. Uh, it was the University of North Carolina Social Work Department, that department. And you just send in your application and you appear. And when I came to Virginia, it was a little different. Um, so I had to take the 72 hour training over again. And then there's the 500 hours. Um, that's like on the job training or you can get it working at a peer center or something like that. And then there's the proctored exam, the ICRC exam that we take in order to go to the um, Department of Behavioral Health and uh, Disabilities Services Board, right? It's DBHDS. Yep. Um, and they, we fill out the application. So when we fill out the application with the ICRC exam results um, and the 500 hours, then we are, we're, um, they give us the certification. Mm -hmm. um, and, and fortunately in Virginia, we can go on and we can be registered as peer recovery specialists. And that's, that's an awesome thing to be able to be registered with the Board of Counseling. I just got my... Um, I just became registered. I just got the email this morning. Woo! Congratulations! <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Thank and, you. you know, I don't. I don't think it's like kind of like being a, a. I just to tell you a little bit about my journey. I was uh, exposed to mental health issues as a six-year-old. I used to go with my sister to the training center in Georgia uh, every summer. I used to go to work with her, and so I went with her. She worked in the training center in Georgia, and I um, used to go work play with the kids in the, in the, who were down syndrome kids. They, and I, you know, I just thought they were kids. I used to hang out with them and play with them. And that became normal for me. Right. So as I grew up, I was just, I gravitated towards people with disabilities. I gravitated towards people who had mental health issues. When I was in high school, I was a teen counselor. Um, and I helped other kids that were having problems. And then when I went into college, it, it was just always my life. And I, I didn't think that, you know, the degree and the, and the license made me a therapist because that's a therapist is what I am just because of, it's my personality. Right. But it does offer legitimacy to what I do. Do you feel like the certification, how do you feel like the certification legitimizes peers. I, I would say that it, 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 the certification allows in the professional world that we have certification. I, I think that there has always, there, there's a stigma that went with it. Uh, who are they? Because we were new coming in, it was new opportunities. But being certified and then being licensed uh, in, in <clears throat> that we can now build and that kind of stuff and that we have our own entity and team that we collaborate with others, but that we are legitimately uh, capable of, and we're not, we're just legitimately capable of doing uh, positive work and building bridges and linking folks to different services. Uh, not here to take over anybody else's position, but just uh, like the kickstand on a bicycle, I say. You know, when you get tired of riding, you want to lean it over. 
we put the kickstand down and that's who we are. We help folks. Uh, <clears throat> we're just an, uh, an accessory to what you already have. We're a valuable source. And with, and with the training, uh, with ethical training, with the, uh, the life skills stuff that we do, the coping skills things that we learn, the facilitation of groups that we do, all of that, along with our lived experiences, because we can, that, that we can spot the, the, the foolishness that comes sometime, and then we can readdress it at different times, you know, uh, and we, we have that knack to see us coming through somebody else. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that helps. Uh, but our certification, that, that piece of paper, uh, gave me self-worth as well. It showed me that I could because there was a time where they said, you're not going to be nothing. You're not going to amount to anything. What, you know what I'm saying? But that certification and me getting it, me getting it, uh, sitting through those exams, which was uh, excruciating based on my fear, right? Mm -hmm. uh, knowing the information, but just the negative thought that came to my mind was that you're not going to do well, you know, and the self-doubt, but then being able to self-talk myself into success has helped. And then getting that piece of paper uh, has helped and moved on to other things because we continue to go further our education. We, we, we sponge in on that stuff and we, we just know that it compels us. So that, I think that's what it has done. And it's definitely helped in the professional world, right? We're just not those those people anymore right. we, we're these people it's us it's us yes that's that's what it has done for me and i think that's how i see it i think that's how others see it amongst you know um and we like to hang them up like charlotte has on her wall our certifications we well i'm we really have, proud that you guys have all our, all of our peers are certified i mean yeah. that makes me as a as a leader in the in the agency very proud of our peer teams. And, you know, I think that you guys um, didn't need to have the piece of paper to be legitimate. I don't think that that creates, I mean, it doesn't make you smarter piece of paper, doesn't give you any more experience, the piece of paper, but it does. Um, when somebody walks in and sees it hanging on your wall, it tells them, right. That you went through the training, you passed the test and you know, your stuff. I mean, that's what it says. I mean, I, I got mine back on my wall, right? All that, all those certifications. And so, you know, I, I, <clears throat> I just think it, you know, it gives you a sense of pride to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a certified peer and uh, it helps. I think it helps other people to see that as well. Lottie? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's the professional title. It feels good to have that, to have that piece of paper and, and to know that, no, it doesn't make me better, but it, it's a feel good thing. And, you know, to be certified and then be registered. And I have now started, uh, you know, with my nationals. So climb all up there as far as you can. And also, you know, we, the Virginia certification board is the, the ethical conduct, you know, that is very important with the, all that other training. That's one of the things we need to uh, adhere to regardless. Um, you know, 25 of those 500 hours have to be with advocacy. It has to be with education. It has to be with wellness support. Um, 
there are specifics that need to be in there that need to get done mm -hmm. along with a lot of other certifications that we can get to be able to give a good wellness program. Yeah, and I think that, you know, as, as other professionals too, um, who don't understand what peers do, right? They, you guys have all experienced it. I know you have. Um, <clears throat> where other professionals kind of go, oh, a peer, so what, you know, what do they do, right? They kind of shrug. Um, I, I think this also offers you legitimacy with other professionals. And um, as, as you guys go out and do more and become, you know, more involved in programs, kind of like the peer warm line, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, you know, I think that that it just, it's just, you guys are just building on your own experience and your own, your own training and your certification. You just keep getting better and better and better at, at what you do. Um, so tell me about the peer warm line. This was something that we sort of developed as an agency, what, last year? The introduction of it was last year. So tell us, tell me, tell the people listening what the peer warm line is. <laughs> I would love to. The peer warm line, it's a free peer run emotional support system that we offer here at Southside Behavior Health. And it's to assist anyone in the moment, again, with emotional help or with resources that they may need. We are a listening ear of experience to let them know that you are not alone and let us help you help yourself. Uh, it is run by, again, peers of people in recovery. And um, that's what the peer warm line is. So is it, it's, it's, it's all y'all, right? You're all involved in the peer warm line. So if they call, they're gonna get one of you. So far, they will get me, Charlotte, or James. Okay. Right. And what's the number? The number is 833-826-7337. And when they call you, what are you going to say? What are you going to, like, if I called and said, hey, I'm having a rough night. I'm thinking about drinking, you know, tonight because my day was really rough at work and my boss yelled at me. What are they going to hear? We're going to, we're going to, well, let me speak for myself. And, I, you know, I would just elaborate on, you know, you can tell me about your day, how, what happened to make you so stressful? What is your day like at work? You know, and I just give them the opportunity to share and get it all out. Um, after they tell me what their day was like, I was like, okay, well, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now to relax for the you know, rest of the evening and get ready for work tomorrow. When you, how are you gonna, you know, uh, take care of yourself and go to work tomorrow? You know, how, what kind of mindset are you gonna have when you go to set work tomorrow? You know, how are you gonna be okay? You know, we just wanna be okay. We wanna be calm and we wanna um, use self-care, you know, to um, just make sure that the person is in a better space than they were when they came on the phone. Okay, so you're going to help me create a different plan for myself rather than grabbing a drink. Yes, okay. we're going to try. <laughs> we're gonna... That, we, that I know you guys um, had done in the past was create um, kind of a toolbox for folks. 
um, to develop a plan for when you have a day like that, right? When your day is falling apart yes. or when life, because life does bring its stress. There's no way to have to live in this world without having stress, right? It's just going to be, there's going to be those days that are going to be worse than others. And I know that you guys help folks create a toolbox for when yeah. they have that stressful day. Can you talk a little bit about those toolboxes that you help people create or those plans that you help people create for when they are having the worst day of their life and they're starting to, and I'm going to use a, a clinical term, decompensate or slide back into old habits. Um, because you know, when we get under stress, we tend to go what go with what's comfortable and easy for us, right? I pick a donut because that's what I do. I like sugar and I shouldn't eat it because I'm diabetic, but that's what I do. I want sugar. But you know, what do you, how do you help people create that toolbox? What are, what are other alternatives that you could use other than the sugar? Is there anything else you could do? Can you walk? Can you go for a walk that evening? <clears throat> can, can we call exercise? someone? Mm -hmm. Can we call someone? Can you uh, maybe play bingo? Uh, I like coloring. Coloring is a, is you know, is a is a great tool for me. What about you? Can you find <laughs> something like get your box of Crayola crowns and start designing something? Uh, and what have you done in the past? What have you done before when you start feeling this way? When you feel a need that you might want a donut, what did you eat the days that you didn't eat a donut? Can you do a half a donut? Right. Can you can can we start with a half? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if we can we start with a half a donut? Uh, can we switch the brand of donut? Maybe a James, whole... there's three donuts waiting. No, I'm not eating half. <laughs> Uh, so we write about the donut first. We definitely no, would try to like to do some reduction stuff versus uh, continuing to harm yourself with the whole, because some success is better than no success. Absolutely. Uh, and so that's the direction uh, that I like to go in. And 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 abstinence is not for everybody, but if we can reduce the uh, the craving with something different, maybe uh, find a particular day. Uh, that this is what I'll do. And how you build your toolbox is finding things. Like they say, what, what was it prior to that you do that excites you, that motivates yeah. you, that encourages you? Uh, and those are some of the things I do. Uh, I have a fidget spinner. I'm so grateful that they came out. Uh, it's actually on my cell phone as well. Um, and so I think that those, you know, when you're talking about building a toolbox, it's having those things readily available, like who you're going to call identify who you're going to call. I mean, somebody might say, hey, call your call your mother. And that might be the worst person in the world to call when you're having a bad day. You know, I mean, I have had clients say, no, 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 I'm not calling my mom. I'll call my Aunt Lucy, but I'm not calling my mom. You, you know, know, that's one of the things I ask them is I ask them what they want. I hear what you said to me. So I'm asking me, do you want me to help you walk through not eating that donut or do you really want to eat it? Cause I'll sit here and listen to you eat it if that's what you want. Um, and I'm not going to make your plan, my plan. Mm -hmm. And 
So as I listen to what you don't do and do not want, I want you to talk some more so I can hear what's important to you of people, places, and things. What of your conversation can I grab that's more important to you? And I heard the fact that you're a diabetic and it's not good for you. Mm-mm. So I will ask you to talk a little bit about that and what happens when you eat that donut. Because I just said jokingly with James, there's three or five more of there. I'm not eating one. It ain't happening. I never had a drink and I'm not even going to eat one donut or an ice cream sandwich. So I'm going to ask you to look at the result of, are you willing to pay that price? If you're willing to pay that price, and if you're not, and I don't think you are, I would say, because you've called and said, please help. Then I would say, what are you willing to do? Can you go brush your teeth and have a good cool glass of water and, and do a time frame? Because it takes about time, nine minutes, I think, for a um, urge to pass. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what can we do while we're waiting for that to pass? You know, and then I have the five, four, three, two, one coping skill that we use our senses. Can we can we get in touch with those? I want them to share with me what are their coping skills? Who is their support team? All those questions that uh, I will try to get what they want. And again, not what I want. And build that toolbox. They may not have one at all. Right. That warm line may be the only number. Tool, toolbox might be a word they've never used before. Absolutely. And you know what? I'll ask them, get a bag, get a box, and let's start throwing stuff in it. Yeah. Even if it's metaphorically, you know. Absolutely. You know, have have a plan for when things go wrong. Um, and, you know, that's, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a real good coping skill is for having a plan when things don't go right. Um, so I think that's a wonderful, those are all wonderful tools. Um, so as we start to close, what's, what's an important thing that you would like for people to know about working with a peer? What's one important thing that you would like for people to know about working with a peer? So I think for me, um, I want, I want people to know that I'm not the person that I was when I first got into recovery, right? So like we talked about before, we do recover. We do recover. recover we recover. I've been in recovery the whole time I've been in recovery. So there are things that I have gotten past. There are th- things that I have learned about myself that I, have, that I didn't like, that I, I changed or or you know, was able to put a handle on it and be like, I don't want to be like that anymore. And I changed, right? I'm not that person anymore. Um, And, you know, I think we're different from the people that we see only in the aspect that we, we have been there and we have grown from that, from that place. And, um, and we're here to help others to achieve recovery as well. We want to see people move away from the things that are creating chaos in their life, the things that are not going well, to a life that they can be proud of, a life that they are um, can be like, yeah, I, I, I've changed and I've done something with my life. And, you know, I'm, we're the only people who get to live two lifestyles in one lifetime. 
right? We, we get to change our life and live again, right? So we, we're able to, um, we're resilient, right? We bounce back, not, not always as quickly as we would like to, but we do, we, we, we're bouncing back. And um, the, I always ask myself, how do I wanna die? Right? How do I want to die? And I don't want to die the way I did. I want. I don't want to be that person that I was when I first came into recovery. Right? Dishonest, unwilling to do anything different, closed-minded. You know. Now I'm honest. I'm open-minded. I'm willing to take suggestions, and I'm willing to look outside of my, you know, thinking and see what opportunities or what can I can expand on to make the world a better place not just me you know so um i just want people to know that especially the people that i work with that i'm here to assist and add to the behavioral health industry and i'm not here to um take anybody's place i'm just here i'm here because i have another um i'm another pathway to recovery Mm -hmm. and um you know, so, and I'm willing to give myself to this community. Thank you. I would like to um, ensure that the individuals know that there, there is hope. You're not in this alone. Like, it is resources out here, like I stated earlier. Um, it is support, um, even though it can be just me. You know, they don't have that well-connected connection with their family members or um, provide education to the family to let them know that um, there is hope and you're not alone in this situation. We want to work through this together to ensure that everybody is well mentally, which is being healthy. When you're mentally um, well, you're healthy. <laughs> so um, providing that support to the individuals, it's just, I love to do that and encourage individuals that there is hope. Don't give up yet. Don't ever give up because there is hope. James, what do you want folks to know about working with a peer? <clears throat> Working with you specifically. Me specifically, I think think what comes to my mind right now, the three C's, consistency, commitment, and compassion. And that I bring those to the table. Uh, I'm pretty consistent. Uh, Right before annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, as, as people who work with other people, we can be a nudge, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're what? We're always going, how you doing? What's what's going on? And and then if they say everything's fine, we go, no, it's not. <laughs> what's what, really going on, right? Yeah, what, what's really going on? What does that look like? Tell me about it. Uh, I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm, I'm in, I'm in uh, boots on the ground. Uh, I, I'm, I'm uh, one of our favorite things is the hole in the sidewalk, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm the guy who jumps down in the sidewalk and show you the tunnel out. We don't have to climb back up that way. We can. I, I, I've been here, so we can go out through this way. And I'm compassionate. I have a different story about the hole in the sidewalk. You want to hear my story? 
I'll tell my story. Go ahead. And then my compassion for what it is that I do, right? Uh, I'm, I'm compassionate with what I do. I'm, I'm, I'm all in my, my heart. This is where my heart is. This is my assignment from my creator uh, because he created me in the image and likeness of himself. Mm. Uh, and so uh, I look to others, you know, to do unto others as I would want done to me, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, I want to make sure, um, <clears throat> I want to be able to look the enemy in the eye and say, hey, uh, we, we, we can get along, you know. Old famous saying, why can't we all just get along, right? Uh, but also understanding that, hey, uh, my compassion, my compassion is just that I want to give you my heart, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's what I that's what I enjoy doing. And I want to see you succeed. You succeed, I, I am a success. If you succeed, I am a success. Um, and so I push forward to that in my compassion. So those are my three C's. Um, and thank you for the opportunity for allowing me to be able to share that with you guys. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. Go ahead. Lottie? Yes, the first thing I would, when, when I meet a peer that comes in to work with me, I let them know I'm not a therapist. I let them know that what happens in my room, that I'm pretty much on the same level with them. I may be with, with my addictions or my mental illnesses, that there's so many similarities. I let them know that I'm not the law enforcement. I let them know that there's non-judgmental in this room and that they are safe. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk about how, which is I want them to be as honest as they can be. I want them to be open with me and be willing to meet me on some levels so that we can help each other. Um, I let them know that there are two situations, if it's SI or HI, that I will have to go outside this room and get help for them, that I will not leave them standing alone in that destruction. Can you, can you elaborate on what SI and HI are? Suicidal ideations and homicidal ideations. Mm -hmm. If they are ready to harm themselves, that is one of my questions always uh, that I ask them. And if we're ready to hurt someone else, I want to know when you make a statement, I'm going to kill that SOB. Is it just venting or do you got a plan and do I need to hide the body? <laughs> you know, I, I need to find a way to have that such communication that they can be opened with me. Mm -hmm. um, so I want them to be as relaxed as can be. Um, so I'm there to support them. Um, and it will take, you know, it takes a time sometimes. So I'm not in a hurry. Mm -hmm. And I will meet them where they're at, if that's in my office or outside this building. Mm -hmm. But that, that non-judgmental is real important. And, I, you know, Beth, I want them to know I'm not going to work harder for their recovery than they do. I'm going to hold you accountable. you got to do your part. I'll hold your hand through part of it. But my job is to get you mm -hmm. at your baseline and get you strong and get you in that community that, where you can say, hey, we can do this. I got this. So my story about the hole in the sidewalk is um, you can keep doing things the same way you've always done them and you're going to get what you've always gotten, right? Yes. So if you want to take the sidewalk with the hole in it, I will help you get back up every time you fall. 
but I'm also going to show you that there's another sidewalk to take without the hole that will make your life easier. And I think that, you know, Lottie, you bring up a very important piece of it. As a therapist, as a peer, as a case manager, as an ES worker, it doesn't matter what you do. You can't work harder than your clients do, um, than the people you're working with to keep them healthy. But we do offer the hand, right? Whenever it's asked for, no matter how many times it's asked for, um, we will always be right there to offer people whatever they need to get up out of that hole and try to find another path that's better than the one they've been on. Um, and it doesn't have to be the perfect path, right? Can it, it, the path, that, that new path can have other holes that they're going to fall down in. And our arms and our hands will always be extended to help them out because that's life. We always pick a path with some kind of something that's going to trip us up. Uh, I believe that's life. Um, and it's up to us to ask for help from whomever we need it from. But I think you guys are exceptional in offering that support that people need, whether it's showing them where AA meetings are in their community, NA meetings, um, where there's a, a faith-based organization that they can be involved in, whether it's um, a group that they can join, whether it's reaching out to a, a family therapist that can help a family through whatever they're going through, whether it's finding the appropriate um applied behavioral analysis services for their child with autism, whether what no matter what it is, I think that you guys are exceptional at helping people find the right path. And I appreciate you all for being peers at Southside. Um, and what's that peer warm line number again, Lottie? It's one 826 7337 Thank you so much. And you guys will get Lottie, Charlotte, or James if you call that number. And what are the hours of operation? 8.30 a.m. to 10 p.m. Monday through Friday. All right. Any last words, folks? Reach out. We're here. Ring that bell. Call it. Make us work. <laughs> we Let us help you. you. Yes, we would love to talk to you. All right, you guys, thank you so much. And I, I appreciate you being part of our team. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too.